Hello, and welcome to Makers.dev episode number 82. Chris, did you know that 82 is palindromic in three bases? Uh, nope. What, what are those bases? For, for, for the grand prize, could you name one of those bases? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, two? Nope. <laughs> okay. Then no, I can't. Three? You were very right. close. That's <laughs> true. Uh, 82 is 10001 in base 3. It is 101 in base 9. And it is 22 in base 40. Oh, you know what? I could have named one because uh, it's palindromic in base 82 also. Because it's just one. Oh, you got me. You could have named. It's, I yeah, but, right. but I didn't. So That's I not listed on the Wikipedia page. I yeah, should, you should change I should the Wikipedia add that. page. Yeah. <laughs> Is it, is it not palindromic if it's just one letter? I actually don't know. I th- a palindrome can be just one letter, I think. It's the same right. forward and backwards. So, yeah. If it's a single. Yeah. Uh, uh, is a null string? I think an, I think an empty string would be palindromic, yeah? Uh, I, maybe, but there's no base that would return a null string. Base zero, maybe. Divide by ba- undefined. Base. <laughs> arbitrary base for the purposes of this question always returns <laughs> a null string. <laughs> and so. <laughs> that would be uh palindrome yeah no because palindrome is just like you know does the string equal the string reversed so yeah an empty string i think would be a, a palindrome string. anyway uh hey how's it going i i uh i heard you are now famous and you're <laughs> yeah something something crazy happened uh apparently my face was on a billboard in new york times this week or new york Squ- or times square in new york this week that's yeah. wild I saw the, the screenshots. I thought it was it a render wild. or something at first, but I guess it's I thought just it was like, fake. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was fake for a while, and then I uh, it it wasn't. He confirmed it wasn't. And also, if you look in the pictures, you can tell that it's not a render. There's like a couple of tells, like shadows that are cast too perfectly. And then the thing that okay. So what happened? Let me back up. <laughs> um, I sold uh, meeting place using micro require, and when it happened, I tweeted about it. I was like, uh, I sold meeting place, and uh, I used micro require, and it was it was great or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, they retweeted that, which is great. And mm-hmm. I thought that was the end of it. But now there's like a month or two, wait, four months later, I guess, five months later. Um, they uh, put more than one tweet. Mine was one of them on billboards. One billboard was in Times Square and one was on a boat in Miami. <laughs> so there's a boat and a canal in, a Mi- in Miami. Um, they did it la- last week. They did it to someone who had a seven figure exit. Uh, mine was not seven figures, but they did it uh, for mine as well. And the quote was something like, you know, we need to uh, also celebrate the small, wi- the small victories, right? something like that. Yeah, so, yeah. so yeah, my tweet with my face and my name was on a billboard in Times Square. So cool. For at least long <laughs> enough so- to, for someone to take four pictures of it. Yeah. But, yeah. So when like, I'm viewing this through the lens of traction in I think I just did the chapter on actual ads and the process of buying billboards and this sort of thing. And when I was thinking through it, I was thinking I would love for this to make sense. And I could sort of see how maybe like airport ads would be the sort of place where file inbox customers would hang out. So I'm very surprised that a place like MicroQuire would buy a billboard and a thing on a yacht because their customers are people who have software companies and Times Square is just everyone. So how does that make sense? But then I started thinking like, we're talking about it right now. <laughs> Correct. It's, it's very unusual to have something on a billboard in our industry. And so it's very noteworthy. And so by putting you on a billboard, 
that tweet got a ton of engagements and developers actually do hang out on Twitter getting tweets. But like, also, it doesn't really, like, we don't actually know if it was real. <laughs> like, you kind of do, because it, it, you know, you looked at the image and it, and it looks like it wasn't a render, but like, we are, the, the, the core publicity seems to be from the fact that we're talking about that it was on a billboard and not the actual billboard itself. Which makes me think, like, it seems like you would get most of the actual value from doing this if you just had a billboard up there for like half a second and took a bunch of pictures of it and then put it back down and then brought that to your actual marketing channel to say, hey, remember billboards? Isn't that crazy how no one uses billboards in our industry? You're on a billboard. And like, that's technically true. Uh, th those are some of my thoughts around billboard marketing. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, so this is exactly the thing that we talked about was it last time or the time before where the, the security guy who posted his social security number on a billboard and the real uh, benefit f to him for that was not the billboard itself, but all the news articles talking about it. Mm -hmm. This is the exact same mechanism. So microquire posted something on a billboard. They tweeted about it. That got who knows how much engagement I tweeted about it. I can see my engagement numbers. Uh, it was like at like 30,000 views last time I looked at it. Mm. So just, just the retweet of their tweet. Um, so, and those are, that, that is far more, focused also it tells a story a very interesting story that people can actually you know real people me can actually get stuff acquired and micro acquire right mm -hmm. and so yeah the the knock-on effects are all the benefits um also what you said is exactly what i think they did or roughly so if you look at their post from last week it shows the exact same billboard and the exact same boat in miami mm -hmm. and the new york one is a little tricky but the miami one you can tell they took the one shot showing the the other person's um tweet mm -hmm. and then you can tell the boat has moved but is in the exact same canal and then they showed my tweet mm. so it's from the same vantage point they took the two shots which means they were on the same day you know they probably had i don't know 10 people i, I have no idea mm. but so over the next few weeks you'll probably see micro acquire put out more of these shots of people on billboards and it's not like they did a huge campaign they probably did a campaign for one hour with you know 10 different people or something like right. that uh that's my guess interesting this has me in the mindset of thinking, how could we use this for file inbox and acorn chat? <laughs> if, if, because I think in traction they even talked about that you can buy a, a time slot of a billboard in Times Square for mm -hmm. still an outrageous amount of money. But I'm wondering what the smallest unit of that is because yeah. I've seen I, pump I guess... and dump schemes for like uh, uh, shit coins <laughs> is the technical right, right. term. So it's not technically cursing. Um, uh, where they'll have some billboard in Times Square. And that's part of the pump and dump that you just get notoriety about it. And it's not even that it was in Times Square. It's that, you know, you take a picture of the billboard and then you post it on Discord. And that's proof that you're an actual legit thing. And I don't know what that would look like. The, uh, what what might that look like for Acorn Chat? What is the sort of billboard that would get people talking about? Like, I'm imagining something like you having a really controversial billboard that's along the lines of uh oh i forgot the name of your primary competitor not not discord um intercom intercom if you had a yeah. billboard that was like intercom sucks and <laughs> they're awful and the ceo of intercom can uh <laughs> go and do bad things <laughs> uh, which is exactly not true i actually really like the ceo of okay intercom, well the, for, for the record something something controversial i don't know that, that would get people's attention and then you take a picture of that billboard and then you put it on Twitter and you say, hey, Intercom sucks. Use Acorn Chat instead. It's, a, you know, a, a squirrel or something eating the Intercom logo. I don't know. Um, yeah. What, what, 
Would that work? <laughs> uh, so I, I don't think so. It would get some engagement, but uh, with the one... Who was the guy? Was it McGaffey or Norton? One of the... Or, no, no, no. It was like... No. Whoever did that posted the social security number. Um, it was not either of those. Um, they, they got a lot of uh, response because it was a really strong emotion kind of on the negative side mm-hmm. uh, mm, sort of like you know uh I, I don't know I, I guess i don't know exactly where i'm going with that but uh then the microquire they got a lot of em- emotion but on the positive side mm-hmm. right so i think yes you have to go either super negative or super positive or just i guess super weird in a way that actually uh is weird so like uh one company like you know talking down about another company i don't think is enough anymore to cause an, a lot of controversy mm. um and so you need something actually controversial if you're going to go that route or something super positive, which is these real people are using our thing and having life-changing outcomes, Yes, which is a really positive you know, that thing. That tracks for me that you need a strong emotion. That was also talked about in traction on the viral marketing chapter that to, for something to go viral, people have to feel a strong feeling about it. Either in this case, a really positive feeling of, wow, this person I know was on a billboard. That's really cool. Or a strong negative feeling of, people saying that they hate someone there's a billboard in dfw that says i hate steven singer and i've that's all it says it's it's a black billboard with white text and it says i hate steven singer and i don't know who steven singer is and i don't know why but i've seen it 50 times and it's and i feel a strong emotion when i see that yeah yeah, yeah. who is this person and why does someone hate him uh and i'm sure clearly trying yeah i'm sure steven singer was the person who like put the billboard up or something (laughs) yeah they're clearly trying to capture some of that there uh and I mean, the fact that you have no idea who Steven Singer is probably, me- you know, means you're not the audience. It probably means that social media is the audience for that billboard as well. Sure. Like people tag, you know, take pictures of that and tag it probably if they know whoever Steven Singer is. We sure. probably look stupid now for not knowing who Steven <laughs> Singer is, but I have no idea either. I assume he's like a local radio host or something. And I don't oh. know. Yeah. Uh, so what, how, how might we evoke a strong emotion, not necessarily negative, on a billboard that has something to do with acorn chat hmm. um i don't know if, if i knew then maybe i'd have more users um i think tuple could do this so tuple for that we just talked about them they did their open source thing yeah uh, if they put the winners of that open source contest on a billboard yeah just like microquire did uh and then tweeted about them that would probably do pretty well although since microquire just did it and a lot of the audience is kind of a crossover between yeah, them yeah. and tuple it, not entirely, but enough that uh, that might be too repetitive too quickly. So, like, the thing with unique marketing things is that they can't be repetitive in the same audience mm-hmm. uh, within a while, say, like yeah. a couple of months, um, or else people just get tired of it. That's why everyone is exhausted by Twitter threads now because yeah. they used to be interesting, and now it's just like, ah. Yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah. They're everywhere. So that, that was something really interesting in traction that keeps getting repeated is that marketing strategies work and then they don't they have a yeah they, they have a decay of how effective they are and i've been thinking about it so much since i read it but it makes sense of uh, people are seeking new things and products are a category of new things and the way you find out about the products needs to continue to be novel so things like the oh do you remember the commercial for um the shaving company uh, dollar shave club shave club yeah yeah yeah. where it was this really raw gritty just like the founder making funny crude jokes and stuff coming in and he's just walking through his factory that killed that got so many engagements that was like a huge thing and then since then 
it's been repeated so many times and it's been made formulaic and i think as soon as it make becomes formulaic people start to filter it out of ah this this is no longer a symbol of authenticity or uniqueness this is now just the standard way yep. that people do things yeah so it worked for them and it worked for old spice and then that was it yeah Every, everyone else after that's just a derivative yep, yep. yep um and the market's just waiting for what the next thing like that is going to be uh which might be an experiment that i'm doing this last week that uh I, i'll talk about later <laughs> all right it's the, the video chat thing uh oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about it um okay yeah th- this this I, I like that we're focused more on the marketing angle of this 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 has become a very interesting solution to a problem that i feel like i'm directly facing of how do you get people talking about your product how do you have a piece of marketing that does evoke a strong emotion and it seems like micro acquired did that successfully and yeah they they also didn't just focus on themselves right it was focused like their tweet was about me which is crazy they didn't right. actually tag me uh someone one of my friends did that's how i found out about it yeah. and that's and then i spent a while trying to figure out if it was fake or not <laughs> i first looked at it and it looks like a render when you first see it and i was like mm, what yeah uh anyway so um but and, and then the last tweet they did was about the other person right and like it was about their story and so i think really good unique marketing is yeah focused on not just focused on the company right it's about something else mm-hmm. yeah even in the dollar shave club ad like uh you know it was about their employees and you know how they're providing jobs and then it was about your story as a shaver and how it's gonna be better like so yeah. it wasn't about them um what if it's yeah. a billboard of a screenshot of a transcript someone had on their website with acorn chat that was some the conversation the the sale was made in the conversation or something or or the customer said something like wow this is so cool that i can just talk to you live this is so much better than other companies i mean maybe uh yeah that one of the reasons it worked for microquire is because i tweeted publicly about it so they could use my tweet <laughs> Uh, whereas with Acorn Chat, I don't. It's a private uh, conversation that wouldn't quite yeah, work. It's a private okay. conversation. Um, also, you'd have to have like uh, very happy customers for it to work. Like I'm a very happy customer of Microquire. Well, I'm not even a customer. I didn't pay them any money. The mm. buyer did, but um, and so that's why it works. Mm. Uh, currently, Acorn Chat is too too new for, mm. for any of this to matter. Yeah. Okay. Good to keep in mind, though. I like I like thinking about this. Uh, while we're on the topic, how is Acorn Chat going? You were in the Slack app store. I think uh, you got in like two or three days before our last episode. Yes. It was approximately one week ago, uh, and I've had three trials All in the right. week. So, yeah, so three is not zero. Uh, I've uh, No paying customers from those three. Uh, they, they have 30 days technically to try it before they have to pay. Hmm. Um, so three in a week is... Uh, I think low, but also not zero. So that's something. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And I think if three people wanted to try it, then supposedly more will. I still haven't updated my analytics. I'm in a lot, fo- lot more focused on other things, Kaggle and other things. Mm-hmm. So I haven't TikTok back to Acorn Chat yet to update my analytics to really know like what percentage three is mm-hmm. of the people visiting. Um, oh yeah, if you could see the conversion rate from landing pages. Yeah. Like if you got yeah. ten hits. And, and three trials three trial, that'd be really yeah, that'd good. be good yeah um but yeah so i do have numbers but it includes robots also okay. and robots are like it, more than half the traffic i know like like they are okay. um but i don't know what percentage <laughs> yeah so. okay do you have usage data or feelings based on those three users 
uh, I record that and I don't show it very well in my dashboard right now. Right now I can just see if they make a site or not. So one person did not make a site, although he emailed me. So I can email him. He used Acorn Chat to email me. Cool. So I can email him and be like, do you need help making a site? Yep. Um, the other two actually did make sites, uh, but I don't have any like... I, I need a better dashboard there as well. Like how many messages did they send? Mm. Have they sent and you know, what actions have they tried and that kind of stuff. I don't mm -hmm. have any of that. Yeah. Uh, I know you're focused on other things right now. And if, uh, uh, once you TikTok back to Acorn chat, I think the thing that I would be most curious about is what, like be, be fascinated in these three people. What, yeah. uh, what held them up? Uh, did they get all the way to, the the moment of customer success which for acorn chat i think would be they have acorn chat embedded in their site because that's a huge step once you get something embedded yes. in your site that's very sticky and they've had at least one conversation with a user um within uh slack and you could do an email marketing campaign that's helping them being onboarded of you know you you can tell when they've embedded it and until they've embedded it you keep sending them emails about like hey right, right. embedded in your site. hey remember to embed it in your site hey right. embedded in your site and then until they've had a successful conversation, you send them emails that are like, hey, you have this embedded in your site, good job. And to get people to talk to you, you need to make sure that you have Slack open and whatever the minimum number of things are so that you're ready when people come and, and message you. Right. Um, and then once they actually get the message, you send them a congratulations gift that's like, ah, you got your first message in Chat. Isn't that cool? You got to stay running Slack the whole time and you got to talk live with your customers. Uh, if you need anything else, let me know. And I would also want to know from these three people, like, can you get them on the phone or can you, oh, you have their Slack information, which I think means you can Slack message them. Uh, so you have to be very careful. Okay. Um, I, I have their emails that they use to sign up with Okay. and they have to click a button. So the way Slack works is you cannot email them unless they email you first over email. Okay. Right. If they just sign up through Slack, then uh, you can only email them if they actually click a button in your app saying you can email them. Yes. Otherwise, you can Slack message them, uh, although there's rules about that too. There's like Slack etiquette about that as well. Okay. So, um, Slack etiquette. Yeah. That's Slack etiquette. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I guess. Um, two, so, two of them contacted me outside of signing up. Okay. They used the, the Acorn Chat widget on Acorn Chat to okay. contact me. So, I can talk to them. The other person, uh, I have their email address, but don't know. This is something else I need to surface in the UI, uh, which is can I email them <laughs> or not? Have they clicked the yes or you have to have a yes and a no button, right? So did they click yes or no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. No. Okay, so that's yeah. I, I would want to know that. I would want to be able to email them so that yeah. you can send them an, an onboarding campaign, or if you could send it through Slack. I don't know if that complies with the Slack kit. You you can yeah. Okay. So you can uh, yeah you can send them. If you have DMs set up, you can send them DMs. Or since my Slack bot is in one of their channels, mm -hmm. I can send them messages in the channel. Like, if they haven't embedded it, yeah. So, so. okay. So but, I think I think your onboarding well, sequence then is sent through Slack. Uh, yes, but so by default, my bot actually can't send anything. They have to actually do a step or two. They have to invite my bot to their workspace. They have to click the okay. button, so they can sign up to my thing. Yes. Well, let me think. If they just sign up, I think I actually can DM them. But I can't post in a uh, channel until they actually add, add it to the channel. They have to click a button in my app to add it to a private or public channel. Yeah, and I can't do that until they actually click the button. Okay. Okay. If if that happens automatically, then no problem. If that's not happening automatically and like only one of the three people was actually able to get to that point, 
then I guess try to figure out some way to just like push them forward. Every, every obstacle, just like try to get them over it. Um, oh, and then I had the thought, like, you don't need to email them if they've successfully set up a chat bot because like for, for talking to them, you could just go to their site and talk to them through AcronJet and be like, Hey, I'm Chris. I made AcronJet. Uh, I'd love I to know more about so, how you're doing this. I should, yeah, I could. Cool. I would be, I would be fascinated though about like, why did they add your thing? What were they looking for? What did they search for? What problem are they trying to solve? What's the job that they're trying to get done? Um, and then I think that'll really help you. Man, this is so much easier to think about when with with your project than mine. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I, I want to have this exact same conversation later, but with my letterbox and you telling me okay. the exact same thing. Right. Like, okay. Um, uh, yeah, like be be fascinated. Three doesn't sound like a lot, but three, three, you have three people that just came out of the internet and added your thing. That's right. Um, yeah. That's really cool. And the more you can learn from these people, the more you can get, the, the faster you'll be able to get your next three and then your next nine yep. and then your next uh, 81. Um, but it, it I, I think the game there is just be obsessed with these people and their problems and why they added you and what problem they're trying to solve and uh, like fanatically pushing them towards the value that Acorn Chat provides, which is, you know, you, you have to have it embedded in your site and you have to have Slack open and you have to make sure that you've clicked whatever the button is to, to add them to the private channel and stuff. Yep. Uh, good advice. Yes. Cool. Uh, let's sit down Acorn Chat for a minute. Uh, what else did you get? Up to? Oh, oh, you got access to Dolly too. I did. I have access to Dolly too now, so I can make all sorts of weird stuff. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> it is i i uh i posted one or two i i don't want to flood my twitter uh channel with uh you know uh dolly 2 uh images but they're i want they you are to so flood cool. your twitter channel with dolly images. i know <laughs> i want to i want to share a bunch of them uh but they, yeah that, i don't want that i don't want my tw twitter thing to be to be that um i need like an outlet for this or something because I'm, I'm producing some really really awesome stuff but it's yeah. probably only awesome to me because i created it like it's, <laughs> it's like that you know if you spend time making something that it feels good yeah the other people just like hey, whatever um yeah but it's it's also really really fun to i've done it with my wife and my kids mm. to have them tell me what to make and then i know some stuff about prompts so mm. i can like uh make it look a certain way you know based on you know painting or colored pencils or trending on art station like there's different things you can add to prompts to mm -hmm. make them interesting um and so watching their creativity come alive through through watching dolly has been very cool too yeah how fun man when i grew up i, I made drugs <laughs> with crayons yeah <laughs> This generation is going to be able to tell an artificially intelligent artist to make anything, any anything yeah. that pops into their imagination in any style oh, of any artist. Something I didn't even think of, but I'm going to try now. So uh, one thing that my daughter loves to do is, is draw her color. And whenever she's kind of bored, she asks me to print out a coloring page for her. Mm. There's l tons of free ones on the internet. And so she's just, whatever she thinks of, she can, bait, almost whatever she thinks of, right? Mm -hmm. And then I'll print one out and she colors it. But Dolly too, I bet you could add coloring page yep. to the end of your thing yep. and uh, get all sorts of weird ones. That's uh, interesting. That's not one I've seen any renderings of before. Yeah. I'm going to do that. Cool. <laughs> How exciting. I have a project that I've talked with you about uh, before, and I think I've talked about it on this podcast, but I'll, I'll just summarize it briefly. I want to send people weird birthday cards. So instead mm -hmm. of the traditional uh, every 365 days uh, uh, interval from when you were born... I want to do things like your birthday on Mars, which have, has a different orbital period than Earth, and on Jupiter, and you know when you're ten thousand days old, and when you're the same age that Miley Cyrus was when she made Wrecking Ball or something, uh, uh, or you know you're the same age that your parents were when they had you. Um, 
and all of those cards i would love to have custom graphics and we uh that, that was the first thing i i when i found out that you had access to zelda 2 that i asked you for was uh uh picture of jupiter celebrating a birthday or something so that i could celebrate someone's birthday on jupiter uh (laughs) i thought it was amusing that you spelled jupiter with a y which is like (laughs) that's the type of jupiter yes (laughs) yeah that's jupiter notebooks for data science yes um so that's if if you would like a creative outlet i'll i'll take any images along those lines of things that could be celebrating a weird birthday and then that'll eventually get rolled into this project for sending weird birthday cards yeah that's cool um also, I, I told you this, but we should note that uh, you actually can't use Dolly 2 for uh, commercial purposes yet, yeah. uh, which really limits what you can do with it. Um, that is coming, I am sure, but in this beta period, yeah, they uh, you can't actually do anything with the images. Um, there have been a few cases, a few high-profile cases where they've partnered with people, so I don't remember what magazine it was, like Wired or something. Um, they made a uh, an image for the cover of that magazine mm. um, like the the reporter did or, or someone working at the magazine did so there there have been very limited commercial use cases but that's in direct partnership with open open ai yep. yeah makes sense and i assume it'll be the same sort of thing with gpt3 is that commercially that's commercial yeah can that's use com- that for commercial things mm-hmm. yeah, yeah you can use that yeah. okay both of those are open ai right yep okay man wild that company is gonna <laughs> make skynet yep. This is uh, spooky. Uh, Very exciting. And uh, Kaggle stuff update. I think right now the main focus is on the GPS competition. Yep, GPS competition for the next two weeks. Uh, We are currently in fifth place, which is great. Um, There's four days till the team merger, and almost everyone else in the gold medal range doesn't have people on their team yet, Hmm. uh, which is a little spooky because... uh, it's almost always the case that if you join another person's team, you can just average your results and go up a little bit. Mm. And so if that happens to everyone below us, they'll might pass us. <laughs> and so still not counting any chickens, but yeah, two weeks left, uh, fifth place currently. And um, yeah, doing pretty well there. Cool. I, uh, I hope this isn't divulging too much information of uh, what you were, if it is, I'll, I'll edit this out later, but uh, you were working on something earlier today where you, <laughs> you were, you were fiddling with variables in some way that I don't fully understand to increase the accuracy by 0.0005 meters or something. And I was like, that's five millimeters. And like, that's absurd because now you're like, you're correcting for the, for the difference in position of where the phone was relative to where their actual GPS tracker was in the car. It's not, it's not within a millimeter of space of accuracy in the car. Like this, it, it seems like you're no longer, making this more accurate for gps and you're you're really just gamifying this for uh uh, this problem yeah so i was it it wasn't quite that low (laughs) but yeah it it was i was explaining that um yeah uh, for this problem but for all problems on kaggle at some point you reach diminishing returns but you still have to push really hard because on kaggle that's the difference the difference is going to you know come for the difference at least for a few places will come to a few millimeters and so um yeah so that that's you the concept to. of the look, this is this has reached absurdity to me that this is what you're because it's not so, in the same place in the car right like the phone the phone that you're getting the data from and their point of truth tracker first of all their tracker can't be that accurate right there this can't be millimeter accuracy with any device yeah so i think i can let's see what can i reveal without revealing too much information uh the game is not to get those few millimeters and then uh that's it right the game is to figure out uh uh the the game is to figure out kind of the algorithm 
to figure out what parameters make your algorithm better to figure out how to build a model that and so like even small changes can tell you the direction that things go hmm. um i can explain more later probably but yes okay. all i can say now is that algorithm changes that produce small changes and then you group lots of them together uh, can produce big changes okay all right well we'll talk about it later then <laughs> I've, I've become upset about this competition uh it's it's a, <laughs> it's too accurate uh i think that's all of your stuff anything else you want to talk about from this last week uh i don't think so i'm wearing a shirt i got for free and i said i'd wear it on the podcast and so <laughs> one of my friends works at Air- yeah works at arrows.2 and he told me how to get a free shirt and i did so thank you for the free shirt i want a free shirt that's cool uh, it's it's an open page so i will give you the url to get a free shirt oh. uh, i don't know if they want me saying it on live uh podcast okay if they do if they do i'll put it in the show notes but cool all right you you, you too can get a free shirt exciting <laughs> my my college self is still very much motivated by free t-shirts and uh, and free food I'll, I'll... yeah he, he said he posted the url and he's like uh only do it if you're gonna actually wear it and i'm like oh no my camera is being silly um and uh i said yeah i'm, I'm cheap i still wear free startup t-shirts so, yeah. <laughs> cool uh, my uh, usb cable got unplugged and so my camera uh freaked out but oh, that's okay remarkable that it was able to recover from yeah. that that's cool um i'm i'm building a feature right now with video streaming and stuff for uh polishing a feature for file inbox to, to do this sort of thing and i don't know if i'd be able to recover from that i think i would if it, so it was uh maybe it's going too deep in the weeds but we always go in the weeds uh th- it was the usb cable not the hdmi cable from my camera and so the usb cable just controls the like control signal to the camera and because it's a f- f- uh, photo camera, not a video camera, yep. if it detects that it unplugs and it's been over 30 minutes, it shuts off. Yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, so they had to reconnect it and then tell Gphoto 2 to reconnect to the camera. Yes. And now it will not shut off after 30 minutes. I'm again. with it. So the video stream wouldn't have been affected. Correct. Yeah. yeah it, just, the... it just like went black, but it, like, it yep. kept streaming pixels. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Cool. Okay. I have three uh, high-level categories of things I want to talk about. And the first high-level category thing is file inbox. And that has several subpoints. Uh, the first thing I want to talk about is I did all of my SEO to-dos. I think we talked about that in the last episode that I talked to Jonathan Zachs. Yep. And he did an SEO audit on my site, giving me things like, you know, make sure that every time you uh, say the word file inbox, that that's a link to your homepage and uh, limit the amount of external links to other sites because that's just giving them free SEO juice and here are four other pages that you can write that would rank highly that uh, are high intent and you should also have a lot more internal links ideally every one of your internal seo landing pages is linking to every other one uh using a using link text that is the text that you want that that is the keyword that you want to show up for in google and i did all of them uh he when we were on the phone he was like how long do you think that'll take like a day of work and i was like yeah like a day of work and i think it was i don't know three three and a half days and yep. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i did it i did it all and it felt good i, w- I had like a definite thing of okay I-, I have straightforward work that i can do that is moving the needle forward on marketing and i did it and then at the end of that i was like oh no what do i do now <laughs> so that's part of what i want to talk about um uh does that make sense to talk about now yeah that well uh no uh, uh, i want to mention a few other things and then i want to right. talk about what to do next um I did two other uh, important moving the needle forward things. The first one was more technical. I did a honey badger integration. So now anytime there's a JavaScript 
JavaScript exception, um, it'll report correctly and with the right version. And that took a full day to integrate. I think it, the next time I do it, it'll take a palm, but I'm glad I did that. That's, uh, one of the things I've been trying to do in the serverless update is have a really rock solid technical foundation and having exception handling feels like a, another really rock solid thing. So I feel really good about that. And the other thing I did is kind of fun. I, so you have the live chat widget for Bitcoin yeah. chat. I had this crazy idea. I think I mentioned it when we were talking about the traction stuff to have a live video chat widget so that when I'm online, it has a live stream of me in the corner of the webpage. And then if you click on it, it opens up a live video chat with me in it and you can just ask me any question. And I did that and I implemented it, I think in, uh, I think it was maybe two or three palms total. Soup to nuts. It was. I, I yep. feel really proud of myself that I was able to cobble something together like that. And so that's been running for a day and a half and so far, not a single person has clicked on it. And I don't have any numbers of how many people have been exposed to it. But it's weird. And I, I also haven't told anyone about it. So I'm sure if I tweeted this that I'm doing it, people would be like, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're telling people now. Everyone should go to fileinbox.com right now and see if Christian's face is in the bottom oh, no. right corner. It's going to ruin my analytics. I guess that's good, though, because, like, you want to get people talking about it. So in the, in the, in the same vein of uh, any... MicroAcquire had this billboard and that just gets more people talking about it. So like I and the listeners of this podcast and now am now more familiar with MicroAcquire because they did this weird, cool thing. So yeah, having a, a live video widget is the sort of thing to just get people talking about it. So yeah, that's good. So I, I think I do want to make a post about this or a tweet or something. But then part of me is thinking, I kind of don't want to because it's right now it's integrated on the old rails site and i sure would love for this to be a thing on the new site but you know what i don't but think it, that matters it works right it works yeah it does now. and people can pay me money for it so i think i just I th- uh, yeah I, yeah i'm just gonna tweet about it that i'm that i'm doing it okay um and then later on i can tweet about that you know i completely updated it and then people are gonna say wow that's cool this thing i just heard about that's doing the weird live chat widget thing for video also just did a massive revamp of their website and did everything serverless how cool um yeah i think just generally the, the more people talking about it the better this, this gets up kind of to the point um did you see the article by aaron francis going around the internet this week uh i think it was on github's blog or something um he did a ghost writing or not ghost writing guest writing yeah guest writing post yeah. to them about basically if you write stuff online then your luck increases so mm. like the more you publish, the more you get lucky, and it's not really luck. That that's the whole point, right? It's, but the point is you actually have to tell stuff, tell people when you do stuff. Um, mm. Otherwise, it's kind of like you didn't do it. So, yeah, I like that increasing luck surface area. I will make a note to read that. Um, okay, two two questions for you. Uh, one is sort of a sub question of the other one. Um, I don't know what to do next on marketing. One of the options is something that Jonathan Zachs discovered that I think we talked about last week is file sending is uh, a thing that a lot of people are searching for that a lot of these huge companies, right when you land on the webpage, that's the function that you're able to do on the webpage. So in preparation for that, I bought a domain name because I love buying domain names. So I now own fi.run, a nice tiny five letter domain name. And... I'm having doubts about directing resources towards file sending because I don't know if that's my audience, but also like, I don't know if that matters because 
people who are sending files, eventually some people are going to send files to people who need to receive files. That makes a lot of sense. And just the bigger this is, the better it is. But my, my reservation, I think, is if I had a better idea of who my customer was, I could I could do more targeted, directed things towards, you know, I don't think low, excuse me, I don't think loan officers care about that you can land on my side and do file sending. I think it it may be more effective to buy a magazine ad in a loan officer magazine or on a on a sign printer forum. Um, but then I think, well, why don't I just do both? I, I could I can do multiple things at the same time. Um, I also don't know, like, okay, so the the general problem I'm trying to solve is how do I spend my time in a way that's going to raise MRR the fastest? And I currently don't know what the next thing is that makes the most sense to be able to do that. Okay. So yeah, file sending, we talked a lot about this a podcast or two ago, but like, uh, I think at the short term, it's a great way to spend a lot of time developing, which sounds interesting to you. Yep. Uh, but, I, <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, but I think you're right that it may or may not be the type of customer you want to attract and may or may not actually help you raise MRR in any kind of short time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, and you already have a lot of development work with this serverless stuff, which you seem to have gotten three quarters of the way to and uh, haven't finished yet so mm-hmm. i would shelve the file sending for now it is interesting and now you can be now that you are thinking about it you can be looking out for signals for it okay. um but the thing that you started this whole process with was reading traction and mm-hmm. you mentioned one of the things you could do is finish that uh and so i would do that um not because then you will have finished it but because the whole purpose of the book is to read it and then pick the three channels and actually do experiments on the three channels mm-hmm. and so i don't feel like you've done those experiments yet so I would read it, finish them, get all the channels in your head, mm. and then pick three and actually do the experiments. That's that's what I think would probably provide the most short-term marketing impact. Okay, that's a great answer. I will finish traction. And that's very straightforward work too. It's yeah, I I know I know what the work looks like to finish reading traction right. and to, to finish coming up with these ideas for SEO uh, or uh, for for marketing channels and then. Yeah. Like okay. It's also even like fin- even though finish traction and like add file sending are just like two lines on your to do list. Mm-hmm. Finishing a book is way way shorter than like implementing an entire new subsystem. You know. Yes. So uh, <laughs> much more straightforward. Do, yeah. Do the thing that's much more straightforward. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That sounds good. I okay. The last thing in the file inbox category of things, Rachel, my fantastic executive assistant only used a third of her hours last month while i was Hmm. abroad and just didn't have time to it takes work to assign work to people you got to come up with the work for them to do and make sure they can do it so i am actually happy with that because in the past like they a a month of traveling with rachel was so much better than a month traveling without rachel because a month traveling with rachel i have all this stress that's just lifted off of me of someone might be emailing me wanting something but i'm on vacation and i have travel brain and i don't want to open my customer support emails and rachel just handles that the inbox is just constantly emptied and it's wonderful so i paid a extra big premium for it in this month when i didn't have her working but even then it was still worthwhile to have her so i'm now looking at ways to uh, capitalize on even more value two projects that are gonna uh be able to effectively use a lot more of her time. The first is uh, I asked her to categorize the industry of every file inbox customer. So as people come through, uh, she can click on them and based on clues of like, what did they name their page or what's the uh, URL that they have for their email address, she can now look at 
uh, you know, okay, this is a sign printer website, and then she says sign printer. And then based on that, I'm going to be able to see data of like, oh, that's interesting. This week, I had three sign printers sign up. Those are people that I need to make sure I'm uh, reaching out to. Or like I could have live data of uh, the the industries that cumulatively, cumulatively, yeah, that's yes. right, have the highest uh, LTV for their customers. So uh, it's going to be good for better understanding my customers and where they're coming from. The, the advice that I was recommending to you for Acorn Chat, like I'm going to be able to better do. I'll, I'll be able to be more fanatically obsessed with my customers in a, in a targeted way. Um, so that feels good. Uh, and then I have a second thing, but any thoughts on that of categorizing customers? Uh, nope. That sounds like, yeah, that sounds like uh, good work to be doing. Yeah. More, the more data you collect, the sooner, the better in the long term. So great. Good. I was reminded also of you getting three customers in this last week. I've probably had three new signups for file inbox in the last week and I don't know. And I would love to mm. know. And I would love to just, I, I want to be fanatical about my customers coming in and really understand what they're doing and why they're signing up. And Yeah. Yeah. Maybe everyone that signs up, oh, maybe everyone that signs up, I I record a video for them and then I and then I upload it to their file inbox page saying like, Hey, I'm the founder of File Inbox. Welcome. And and it's actually a video recorded personally for them. Yeah. So I've seen a lot of people do that, like with Loom videos or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh but you have the added very interesting uh thing that you can put it into their file inbox. <laughs> yes. So that's kinda neat. Yeah. Cool. Okay. I like I like that. I like that too. Cool. I'm enjoying reading traction because it just has me in the mindset of thinking of these sorts of things. So yes, good. Okay. Uh the second major task that I have for Rachel, and this is a big spooky step. I'm gonna give her access to my personal email. And you might be saying, Christian, that's crazy because she could steal your identity and uh log into all your bank accounts and reset all your passwords. And I would say yes, <laughs> that's correct. Uh, no, I'm, so I'm, I'm in in trying to mitigate like the potential damage she could be doing. At first, I thought you know if I give her access to my email, that's going to mean that she can log into all of my uh, Gmail authenticated apps, which includes Firebase, and like mm -hmm. that is potentially a, a huge business liability. If uh, you know, I trust Rachel, but uh, you know, if Rachel's laptop were stolen and mm -hmm. the attacker now had access to my uh, you know, OAuth for Google, uh, they could theoretically log into Firebase and then delete all of my projects and that would be right. catastrophically bad. So I found out there's a way to add uh, access to email and it'd be just email and not nice. OAuth. So they don't, she, she wouldn't have access to my account. She would just have access to, to the email. So that was the first major thing I was worried about. The second major thing is all of my personal bank accounts are currently authenticated with that address. So right. what I'm going to do is just make another email account and change all my bank account addresses to be that and anything else sensitive that comes up of like i don't know i, I probably want my two-factor authentication backup email address to, to be on that other one and then i think i can just hand over the keys to my email and be like hey uh i usually check my email like once a week and um can you I, check more than that <laughs> yeah <laughs> right and then let's just have the same interaction we have of like uh man it's so nice on on calls we'll have i don't know like a 10 minute call once a week and she'll just say okay, here, here are three emails that I wasn't sure what to do with. And then I'll look at them and be like, oh yeah, I also don't know what to do with this one. And this other one, you wouldn't know how to do it, but here's how you do it. And this third one, actually you did know how to do it. And, and here's what you should do. And, you know, add that to the SOP. So that feels good. feels like I'm leveling up the, uh, my automation and systems and I'm going to become much more sp responsible and, uh, uh, 
I'm going to respond much more quickly to emails. I have an email. I'm so embarrassed about this from Rob Wallach that he sent me right after MicroConf that I haven't replied to. Oh, no. I know. So I'm going to, I don't know, maybe tell Rachel what to reply to. I, I don't, there's still emails that I want to be handling. Like I, I want right. to be triaging them, uh, but it, it's going to make the whole process a lot better. Yeah. Um, yeah. It probably feels super weird for you to do this, but executive assist- assistance, like this is one of the things they do all the time. So yep. I'm sure she has more, you know, than just you handling personal email or she's handling personal email for more than just you. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think it'll go just fine. So that's good. Cool. Something I'm sure will come up <laughs> that I already feel embarrassed about <laughs> is that she sends me weekly email updates that tell and you me haven't read them. She- <laughs> I haven't read I think I've had two of them. <laughs> and she'll be able to see that once she, once she has access to my email. So maybe before I give her access, I'll just go through and like mark all of this right. And like, <laughs> I will, I'll actually read them. I'll, I'll skim them. Uh, so when she then, sends you email, she, that will hit your inbox. And then she'll yeah. have to triage her own email. <laughs> Some kind of infinite loop there. That's correct. <laughs> that's, uh, that starts getting dangerous. That's like the situation that Derek Sivers got in where uh, like people his his employees implemented a a revenue sharing system without him knowing and it was actually really bad for the company because like all of the profits were now going to the employees um and so it's a it's a cautionary tale of like you know don't don't let people manage themselves because that's a uh interesting yeah yeah uh (laughs) okay so that's that's all the stuff in file the box um yeah, so I, I feel yeah. good about where it is. Um, but I'll bring up the incubator to him. Cool. Last thing, which is more of a personal update. I have a paramotoring update. I So for two or three months, it was too windy in my part of Texas to be able to fly. And then I was out of town for a month. And in that month, of course, the wind got better and they started training again like a week after I was gone. But that's fine. <laughs> uh, so I finally gotten back and I'm finally training more consistently again and uh averaging like two or three times a week since i've been back and the first day i got back uh the instructor came up to me and said hey did you hear about uh i'm going to anonymize this person uh we'll call him gary and i had met gary before and uh he did a lot of acrobatic stuff and uh we we didn't talk a whole lot but like i had a conversation with him and uh i think was one of the like technically best flyers in the group and I was like, no, what happened to Gary? And my instructor said, Gary died. Wow. And I said, oh, how did Gary die? And my instructor said, he died paramotoring and went on to explain the accident that he was flying too close to the ground and was flying, uh, doing, doing acrobatic tricks close to the ground, which is two layers of mistakes. Um, and then he, he told me the technical thing that happened. I, I don't fully understand it. He, you know, turned in a way that then his wing went down and he started going down to the ground and then he pulled on his throttle which would have been a good way to like recover from it if he had enough room to recover from it but he didn't and so he just hit the ground harder and uh died on impact and i was like oh okay uh feel a little shaken at that and uh went and talked to sarah about it afterwards and sarah was like you should not paramotor anymore because people can die and i was like okay hold on uh and went back the next day and like i'm i'm not flying yet I'm, I'm still just working on ground stuff and the next day i 
I'm seeing people go up and I see the first person go up and they have a great launch. And I'm like, oh man, I sure wish I could fly. And then the second person goes up and they launch and I'm like, oh man, uh, how beautiful. And then the third person is uh, a, a bit of a heavier person and he's on a trike. So instead of launching on your legs, it's like a little wheeled cart that he's on. And he tries to get up and then his wing tips over to the left and then he falls and the instructor comes over and says, ah, you really got to give it full throttle. Like, And he's like, okay. So he goes trying to go for the second time and tries to take off and then the wing falls over to the other side and the instructor's like, you really got to go for it. Like really, really do the throttle. And he's like, okay. So he resets and goes back to the beginning of the field. And third time he gets off the ground, but he's oscillating. He's, he's swinging from left to right. And I'm like, oh, I sure hope he clears that oscillation. And also he's not climbing fast enough to be able to clear the trees at the end of the field. Oh no. So he gets like halfway through the field and he's still not like he's, he's got a good 20 more feet to climb and he is not climbing fast enough. And I'm like, oh no. And he goes and he's going towards the trees and I'm like, oh, he's going to hit those trees. He's getting real close. What, what happens if you hit a tree? I haven't seen this before. Uh, but he, and you know, he's climbing and like maybe he could just barely go over the trees, but uh, he, he's not there yet. And so he, he turns right. And I'm like, whew crisis averted but you know what's to the right it's more trees and so he's going and he's still trying to climb but he's not quite climbing and i'm like oh man this would be crazy if he hit those trees and then he hit the trees and then he crashed in the trees and there was a huge crack and everyone starts rushing towards him and i run through a field of poison ivy and snakes to get to him i didn't encounter any poison ivy or snakes but they were there uh scratched my legs a little bit and I go to see him like 20 feet up a tree with his wing up in the tree and his cart hanging on by a broken branch. And he's fine. He's scratched up in a few places, bleeding, but like nothing's broken. He's, he's totally fine. But that was a little spooky. And so since then, I've been researching uh, alternate paramotor instructors. <laughs> and <laughs> I think, I don't think it's the instructor. I think, I think this instructor has a lot of experience uh especially he he, he is a, a former combat marine he did a lot of aerial stuff he has tens of thousands of flights like he knows his stuff i think it's the geography i think hmm. just like the wind here is not very consistent and uh it's, it's a difficult place to learn like even now with wind being relatively good the wind is only good enough to learn in two or three times a week and and this is an unusually good month whereas if i learn somewhere like on the beach uh where the wind is just constantly good all the time yeah. I, I could get a lot more of the training done a lot quicker so i think i'm going to hire a new instructor and that's my update on paramotoring yeah uh yeah when you first said you were gonna do paramotoring paramotoring uh I was like, okay, it's dangerous, but okay. <laughs> and I think maybe now you've seen that it's dangerous. Yeah. Uh, so this yeah, is no don't, joke. Don't die. I don't know. <laughs> um, good luck. I would, I would very much like to not die. Thank you. Uh, I part of this I was thinking through, especially the the man hearing hearing about about the guy that died really shook me. But I was like, well, he was being a lot more aggressive than I was. Um, he he was doing things that I wouldn't be doing, but then the very next day, seeing the guy crash in the tree, right, and realizing like as I'm running towards him, like I could be running towards a dead person who I I was just talking to five minutes ago who who just had this crash, um, that shook me because like he I've seen him fly a few times before, he like got the the instructor's clearance to fly. Apparently his wing was uh. He, his weight was like 20% over the weight rating for mm -hmm. the wing, which you can sometimes get away with, but he didn't, and I'm, I don't quite understand why. But yeah, this this has me thinking much, much more seriously about like, I would like to live a long and happy life and have kids. And at the same time, 
this is something that I've wanted to do my whole life to be able to like, oh man, I would regret so much like being so close to this opportunity of being able to fly in the air like a bird and not like I am so close and I want to be cautious of that because I think that feeling could like push me towards doing something that's not safe. So I want to make sure like I have this healthy safety margin. I'm, I'm doing things that are very safe and I'm making decisions like, okay, it's going to be a lot more time and money to, to switch instructors. And I think that's going to be objectively the safer thing. Um, let's just, let's postpone the, the uh, excitement for a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I, I need to do this. And if you're watching this in the future and I have died, <laughs> you can, you can clip out that part of the video and be like, well, he knew what the risks were and he did it anyway. And that, that was the thing that he needed to do. And, uh, yeah. So that's, that's what I'm All doing. Right. Well, good luck. Um, I would also consider what happens like after you have kids, for example. So if you start paramotoring, uh, I know several people who used to ride motorcycles and then they had kids and now they don't Yep, stuff like that. Um, but other than that, good luck. Thank yeah. you. That's why I'm racing to do this before I have kids, because I think training is the most dangerous part. And then I think mm. after I've done it, I'll have a much clearer idea of my personal danger in it. Like if I get up and I'm like, whoa, I feel like I'm about to crash into the ground every time I do this. Right. This is not a safe thing to do. Then I stop. But if I do it and I'm like, oh, I could see how this would be very dangerous if you weren't checking your gear and you were flying in dangerous weather and you were doing acrobatic stuff close to the ground. But I can make choices that remove all of those risks and just launch and go as high up as quickly as possible and then just cruise around and then safely go back down and that is about as dangerous as driving a car so i'm gonna keep doing that even while i have kids I, like i want to be able to get to the point where i where i have enough information to, to make that decision um before having kids so it's a race to get in the air before creating new life except not a race because you don't have to do anything <laughs> that's uncomfortable <laughs> yes uh, a very safe uh, a very ample. safe, slow race. Yes. <laughs> being, being very cautious. <laughs> cool. Chris, that's all I got. That's all I got, too. Then I'll see you next week. Goodbye.